0: under the Jews a stumbling block, under the Greeks foolishness, but unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Now, here's your host, Thomas Irvin.
1: Uh, we'll go through some announcements and then Brother Nathan will come and lead us in some music. Continue to pray for a piano player. That'd be a blessing to have. Lord gave us a song leader, so uh, now we just need the Lord to provide us a piano player, and I have no doubt that He will do that. Um, Brother Hoyt's here, which is a blessing. Glad glad you're able to come this morning. Miss Kathleen is still not doing well. Um, You know, these two have had a month long battle with multiple issues, and so. Continue to pray for pray for them. Pray for Miss Kathleen that she'll uh, get better and bless us with her presence. Continue to pray for January fourteenth. Um, it's going to be a a great day in the church house, and want to have as many people here as possible. Uh, Brother Nathan and Miss Holly will be baptized. Um, their family will be here, and now the man that is he own Hickory or chicken pig. He just okay. Uh, anyways, a the man there is a, seems to be a good brother. Um, uh, he, he said he's going to come and visit. He told Brother Nathan that he's going to come and visit on that day. So it would be a blessing to have him. He runs a ministry in which he helps men who are recovering from drug addiction. Once they get the drugs out of their system and they're on some road to recovery, then, then he can help them and, and has some connections to help men in that situation. So that's a blessing. And uh, so it will be a blessing to have him here. Just a very kind man, very thoughtful man. Um, he told me yesterday, were you there yesterday? Man, seems like a lot happened between this morning and yesterday. Uh, but he told me yesterday that he he uh, battled um, addiction with, with, I believe it was crack for, I mean, I, I don't want to, throw out the number, but it was a lot of years, <laughs> if I remember correctly, and I'm, I'm afraid I'm not remember, remembering correctly, but um, but the Lord helped him to get through it, and so now he's helping other men get over their addictions, so it'd be a blessing to meet him. Let's continue to pray for that day. I, I think that's going to be a um, January 14th, I think it's just going to be kind of a pivotal day in the future of our church, and and uh, just with many things going on, it's it's a blessing, it's exciting. <laughs> And uh, so I'd really like to go into that day soaked in prayer. Uh, the Luganda Bible Project, Brother Gross is doing better. Um, after several days of injections and going to the, the hospital to be seen, uh, He's his cough, he said, is, is much better. And the malaria, last time I talked to him, was just about gone. And so uh, just continue to pray for him. Malaria is is a, is a dangerous disease. It's, it's actually a parasite that gets in your system through the mosquitoes. And if you don't get it all out through the initial uh, dose of medication, it can come back twice as strong and and can really be, be rough on you. So uh, continue to pray for him that he will get past all this and be able to continue to focus on the work. Brother Gross is a, is a choice servant of Jesus Christ. I mean, he is a, an incredible young man. There are a couple of young men there that the Lord blessed me uh, to be around and to have their help. Uh, all the things we were able to accomplish in the short time we were in Uganda are because the Lord gave us some great young men to work with, and, and Brother Gross is one of them. So I pray for them. And then, of course, this, this uh, evening after church, uh, we'll have fellowship at our house. For anyone who would like to come, you are welcome to come but you are not staying till midnight. You can stay out in the front yard or something, but, <laughs> uh, but about eight, nine o'clock, I'm going to bed. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't care about the fireworks. In fact, I'll probably be angered by them because they're probably going to wake us up in the middle of the night. I feel like, Don't you want to see the fireworks? No. Yeah, I'm sure. I know. Yeah you know I, I i have i don't care about any of that stuff uh i mean it's um whatever it's new year it's a new year what is there to celebrate it's like 2023 ended okay i mean tomorrow's still monday <laughs> so <laughs> yeah i mean there, there's no you know there is something to um you know, understanding that another year is starting and you have another opportunity to put some things in motion and and uh, to try and have a better year in terms of planning and setting goals and reaching your goals and all that. Um, you know, you can use it for that, but. I mean, do you really need to sit up all night getting drunk, shooting off fireworks, and then wonder what happened the next day because a year has changed? That's not the best way to start the next year. (laughs) In fact, if you wanted the best way to start the next year, go to bed on time and get up on time. (laughs) That's the strong start to the next year, but that's not what's going to happen. So anyways, um, fellowship in our house (laughs) Uh, with a limitation on the time. So uh, and then... Glad you have hope in Jesus Christ. The Bible says we sorrow not even as others who have no hope. Uh, life can be hard, and emotional difficulties are, are unbelievably complex, but when you have Jesus Christ to look forward to, it can greatly help. Anybody else? Thank God He took away the darkness. Amen. Amen. <laughs> oh, there, <he> is. <laughs> there is that <laughs> uh, well amen well we'll put lots of lights around your house yes sir I have to me in and go in yes sir yes sir wanting to go that route. Sure. I, he said probably two years, in other words, and I, I changed my mind for there was that long. Right. But anyway, uh, I would appreciate y'all remembering me in the end for I was going at 840, I think it is, um, Tuesday. Okay. I thought it was the third. Uh, I thought it was the third January Tuesday. I got a on Monday okay. Yes, sir. We will be praying. Absolutely. Amen. Good singing, good music. Anyways, the Lord gave us some, some great, great music to sing about him. And um, the, the, those hymn writers of old, uh, occasionally you find one in, in the modern eras, but those old hymn writers, I mean, the things they wrote were just incredible. Uh, the way they wrote, the, the words the doctrinal foundation of it all and what it teaches us as we sing it. It's, it's amazing. It's a blessing. It's exciting. It's good. It's wonderful. All those good things. So um, I am thankful for the opportunity to sing unto the Lord. Now this morning, we're going to be back in Romans 1. We'll read verses 1 through 7 again. And um, this morning, we're actually going to make it into verse 6. So we're almost done with the introduction to the book of Romans, which is verses 1 through 7, and then we'll move down into, um, you know, the, the next section of verses, starting with verse 8, and Paul begins to, to really focus on his intentions with the people at Rome for, for a couple of verses, and then he starts to describe why. And when you start to describe why, when he gets into the problems that they face in Rome, you'll find out. These are problems that are faced around the world. These problems, And, and the, ultimately, the root of the problem is sin. And he's going to go into some, some deep detail about the problems that people contend with when they reject God. And the, the Romans chapter 1 makes some profound statements about man's understanding of God, man's initial understanding of God. They know he exists. They know he's there. The question is, what do they do with that knowledge? And over time, many reject that knowledge. And over time, some succumb to that knowledge. And, and there's a there are consequences to either direction. And you want to be very careful. Now, what, what Paul is about to do, what we're going to see here, and we talked about it a little bit in our last service uh, on Romans, um, he's he's directing. So he, he began by introducing himself. Then he immediately moved into the gospel of God and who that's about. Now he's directing his thoughts or his, his words to the people who are the recipients, the beneficiaries of that gospel, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ. And, and so what we're going to see this morning is it, we're going we're gonna to expound upon that a bit more about these people who have received Jesus Christ. So verse 1, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated under the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name, among whom are you also the called of Jesus Christ, To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So this morning we're going to be in verse 6. Among whom are ye also the called? And that's what we're going to look at. The called of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Father, we should thank you for your word. We pray, God, that you would help us today as we study your word. That it would teach us, strengthen us. And Lord, uh, you promise your word will not return unto you void, but Lord, please help it not to be void in our lives, that we would receive it, we would learn from it, apply it to our lives, and, and Lord, just as we sang, it'd be used to turn our lives into a faithful witness of Jesus Christ. And uh, we pray that you'd help us with those things. We'll give you all the honor and all the glory. You you so deserve it. We're so thankful to you. In Christ's name we pray, amen. So the the term, the called, is only used one other time, one other place in the entire Bible, and that's in Romans 8 28. We'll, we'll look at that in just a minute, but um, it talks about to them that are called according to his purpose. All right. Now, we, we mentioned last time how that the, the idea of a calling or predestination or predestinated, which is the biblical term, predestination isn't even in the Bible. It doesn't exist. That's a Calvinistic term. Predestinated is in the Bible. And notice the past tense. You know, uh, uh, form of the word that is used. It's because it's something that God determined what happened to people if they would trust in Jesus Christ, and He made that determination before Christ set out to die on the cross and pay for pay for our sins. So God says, if you trust in Jesus, here's your predestination. You reject Jesus, here's your predestination. All right, and so. All that is determined ahead of time. God's not scrambling around trying to figure out, what am I going to do? All these people got saved. Where am I going to put them? (laughs) No, Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm leaving. All right, and now I'm going to prepare a place for you. And then when I'm ready, I'll come back and take you unto, this is what's interesting. He didn't say, I'm going to come back and take you to the place. He said, I'm going to come back and take you unto myself. That where I am, you may be there also. Well, then where's the place he prepared? All right, so that, that what we often tell people, ask people is, you want to go to heaven when you die? Well, who doesn't want to go to heaven when they die? At least their vision of heaven when they die. All right, but it may be that we, we may not get to go to heaven. We may go wherever the Lord is at that point in time, and which may be in heaven, may be here on earth in his kingdom, may be somewhere else. Who knows? All right, God is not limited to, to the limitations we place upon him. He said, I'm going to take you to be with me. And that's a key component to the future, our eternal future, because if God says, well, I'm just going to send you to paradise somewhere and fill it with a bunch of sinful people, well, what's going to happen to it? <laughs> it's going to turn into a bunch of naked people running around eating fruit they're not supposed to be eating, you know, women, misleading men like Eve. Took a minute for some of you to catch that. Brother Hoyt knows what I mean. Brother Nathan threw me under the bus last time. So... Since Brother Hoyt's here, I know he won't back down. (laughs) That's right, his wife is not here. (laughs) Uh, But it would just turn into another sinful existence. Without Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is the key to the future. So if you want a a future void of all the evil that we have to deal with, it's in Jesus Christ. And so he said, I'm going to come and I'm going to take you to be with me. And that's a blessing. That's what we. That's our future hope. That's what we're looking forward to. Now, um, the called according to Jesus Christ. Th- you know, throughout the New Testament, many names and titles are given to people who have trusted in Jesus. Uh, they're called brethren. They're called the Bride of Christ. They're called the Body of Christ. Uh, they're they're called Christians. They're called you know all, all, the sons of God. They're called all sorts of things all through the Bible. Well, the called is just another moniker for that, just another addition to that. We are the called of Jesus Christ. And the term we are studying is the called. You, that's you, if you've trusted in Jesus. That's me, if we've trusted in Jesus. Now again, it doesn't mean you were called, you were especially noted before the foundation of the world to be saved, you have answered the calling. And we're going to see in a moment where that calling comes from. It comes through somebody preaching the gospel. That's the call. Somebody comes to you and says, I need to tell you how that Christ died for your sins and that he was buried and he rose again the third day. And if you will trust in him, God will forgive, will, 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 will for, forgive your sins and save your soul. You were just called, right? And what, we'll see that in, in, as we go through some verses here. But that that's the idea. It's not that, Somewhere out in the, floating in the ether, God has a special list of people who are going to be saved one day and a special list of people that he made to be condemned to hell. <laughs> that's not the idea. You, you, you couldn't establish that biblically. And so, that, that's, so that's why we wholeheartedly reject every aspect of Calvinism. You are the called. And it's important to understand what a privilege it is to be counted amongst the called. As People who have trusted in the Lord, we are given innumerable honors and privileges in exchange for nothing more than trusting in the finished work of Jesus Christ. There is a, we have a mountain load, not just your daily blessings. You know, we sing that song, count your blessings, name them. All. Yeah, yeah. Nobody's here counting their blessings, though you could. And that list would be endless. Even on the bad days, there are innumerable blessings that God's given you. But that, has, but, but that is nothing compared to what God is, has given people who trust in Jesus Christ during what we call the church age. The future of people who trust in Jesus Christ during the church age is unbelievable. You're going to rule and reign with Christ. Why? For what purpose? Why, why do you deserve to rule and reign with Christ? That's the point. You don't. It's only because you trusted in Jesus Christ. You are going to receive part of his inheritance. What inheritance does Jesus Christ have? You get to have part of it. Why? (laughs) Because you trusted in Jesus Christ. All right, the, the blessings are immense for the people who are going to be known as the church, the body, the bride. They're just going to be lavished on top of us only because we trusted in Jesus Christ. There's no other reason because you are the called. God called. You responded to that call. Now, here's the predestination. You're going to go to heaven or you're going to go to be with Christ. There's going to be a mansion waiting for you. It's going to be filled with with inheritance, whatever that is. You're going to receive crowns. You're You're going to be on display all throughout eternity for God to say, look at what Jesus did. Look at all these people. Look at the bride. Look what Jesus did. It's, a, it's, an, it's an unbelievable place of honor given to us. And all we did was live life like devils, but choose to trust in Jesus. And God said, if you will do that, all of this is for you in eternity. That's incredible. It's, it's, it's so good. It's, 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 it's too good to be true. <laughs> But the Bible tells us repeatedly that God keeps his promises. And God absolutely promised those things all throughout the word of God. They are given to the church. All you have to do is receive Jesus Christ and they're yours. Praise the Lord. Now, you don't just not go to hell. I mean, wouldn't that be enough to never have to go to hell? If if God said, if you'll trust in my son, all you're going to get is you're never going to go to hell. No problem. But that's not what he did. Now, you're not, you're not going to go to hell, but you're going to come and be with my son for eternity. You're going to receive his inheritance. You're going to rule and reign with him. Ephesians 2 says, now, we are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Right now. It's, it's a done deal. All right, so now, and then we get the opportunity, as we talked about in Sunday school, to add to that. If you will set your affections on things above and you'll be faithful to Jesus Christ and you'll give and pray and fast and read your Bible and witness and do good works that please God, God says, I'll just just keep adding to that. I'll just keep building it up. And then when you get to heaven, it'll be sitting there waiting for you. That's incredible. All that is available to us because we answered the call to believe the gospel. That's it. Praise God. (laughs) Praise God. All right, so now think about that when you're going through life and you, you know, break your foot or get sick or have a flat tire. Or when life starts to rain down on you, so, uh, you, can, you can do all you want. I'm still going to heaven. I still have a glorious future waiting for me. This is just temporary. I am a pilgrim passing through and have to deal with some of the difficulties in this sin, curse, present evil world. And then I'm going to leave here and go to be with the Lord Jesus Christ where he's going to, he is going to just heap blessings upon me. Not because there's anything special about me. See, when you tell people that, this is what they hear. Oh, they think they're so good. They think they're so great. No, no. I, I, what I'm trying to tell you is I, I, am a, I am a reprobate devil who deserves absolutely none of this. But because I trusted in Jesus Christ, God says it's all yours. I did nothing to deserve it other than trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no other reason. So it's not because I think I'm something or because I think I'm great. I deserve eternity in hell. You deserve eternity in hell. That is what you deserve. But Christ died and took your punishment and took your place. And because you received that sacrifice in your stead, you you get the benefits of receiving that sacrifice. Which is a tremendous blessing. Praise the Lord. Now, the call, let's look at it a few places. And let's try to, what I want you to see is, first of all, the calling is not a, a list of, uh, of people who were, who were, that God put together before the foundation of the world and said, you know, Brother Nathan and Miss Holly are going to be saved, but you know, everybody else is going to go to hell. <laughs> all right, you're not on some exclusive list of predetermined people. You're you're on the list. You're saved because you trusted in Jesus Christ. There's no other reason. It was a choice you made. Somebody came to you. They preached the gospel to you. You received that gospel. Now now your name is is in the Lamb's book of life. And it's a done deal. It's sealed. And and, and that's how it is. And you're going to see that play out in these passages. Turn to Romans 8. We'll look at the, the other direct mention of it. Romans 8. And we'll look at verses 28 through 30. Verse 28, and we know, now, that's, strong, that's strong language. That's a, that's a strong start to the passage. Now, we used to go, we would stand out in front of, we would stand in downtown Deland and, go, and, and witness to people, and we'd have people from Stetson University, which I think I've mentioned here before. Stetson University, that's, that's where Adrian Rogers went to college. They used to train pastors. Now they hate pastors, unless you have a rainbow flag, you know, apron and all that garbage then then they love you, you're you okay but they they come down all the time and and we would witness to them and and we would tell them that you can know God and say well we don't think you can know anything yeah but but here, here's the problem with that for you to say that you can't know anything is knowledge you have to know that you don't know something how can you say you don't know something and and then you just see their brain smoke starts coming out of their ears because their brain's like, I don't I don't know what to do with this. All right, so you 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 do know some things. How did you get how how did you get here today? Well I walked. How did you know to come here? Where did you go? Well I went to that restaurant. How do you know you went to that restaurant? Maybe you didn't go to that restaurant. You don't know anything. You can't know. Either you can know or you can't know. And, and so we, well, some of my friends were a little more aggressive with this. And what they would say is, well, I know the all-wise God. So don't you shut up and let me tell you some things because I know things and you don't. <laughs> and, you know, typically that didn't go very well. But it does. it is useful to demonstrate to people that your, your philosophy is broken. How much money do you have in the bank? Well, I have $1,000. How do you know? What if the bank sees it differently? Since no one knows anything, what if the bank thinks your $1,000 is $100? How do you know you have $1,000 in the bank? Well, I logged in and I checked. How did you log in? How do you know your login? How do you know your account information? You can't know anything. All right, so your, your, your philosophy is broken. It sounded great when the PhD was standing in front of you and saying all these things, but you didn't think it through. And like a stupid fish, you just let it hook you in the mouth. And you just followed along with it until somebody stood in front of you and said, well, what time is it? Well, it's 5 o'clock. <laughs> how do you know? All right, what, what time you got to be at work in the morning? 7. How do you know? If you get there at 7, how do you know you're there at 7. All right, so, so there's just numerous problems with this philosophy and this idea. And, and so God starts this passage out back in verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are the called according to his purpose. Do you see that? The called according to his purpose. Now, everybody loves this. We, we know all things are going to work together for good. Well, <laughs> no, that, you don't want to say that. All right, you, especially to a woman who just lost a baby, a woman who was raped, a man who was stabbed. Well, you know, all things work together for good. Yeah, while, while I'm bleeding now, could you not say stupid things? Like, could you get me to a hospital? All right, so you have to complete the statement, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, comma, to them, so it continues, who are the called according to his purpose. All right now, Lots of things are happening in this world that God has God God did not cause these things to happen. Man chose to do these things, but God can use anything to work to work out for His good, for His purpose. You want you want the prime proof of that? Nobody made those men nail Jesus Christ to the cross. That is probably the greatest example of the most pure and innocent person in the world being mistreated in the worst possible way. And the end result of that is eternal salvation. There couldn't be anything more brutal. There couldn't be anything worse than the the brutal death of Jesus Christ on the cross. But because of that, God used that act of evil to bring about eternal salvation. All right, so... You don't just want to go and tell somebody, I know you got cracked in the head today by a baseball bat, but you know, all things work together for good, right? That's not what God is saying here. He is saying that good can come from even the worst of things and the best of things as it all works together for them who love God, to them who are called to be, you know, with Jesus Christ and according to the purposes of God, right? It's a very detailed Series of realities that you have to kind of add to that. You can't just tell somebody, well, all things work together for good. Well, okay, I mean, uh, sort of, but that, that's not exactly what the Lord is saying here. Verse 29, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. And so here the Calvinist says, see, there you go. He foreknew you and he predestinated you. And, but they wouldn't say predestinate, they would say predestination. Uh, which is not the word, Uh, predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. To whom he justified, them he also glorified. Now, let me ask you, according to Romans 5, verse 1, how is a man justified? Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God, through our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so this progression of events is what's going to happen to the person who is justified by faith in Jesus Christ. Who made you put faith in Jesus Christ? Nobody. Somebody preached the gospel to you. Somebody told you what Christ did for you on the cross, and then you had to make a decision. You either chose to trust the Lord or you chose to reject the Lord. And if you, did, if you didn't choose to re- trust the Lord... By the very nature of not trusting in him, you chose to reject him. It's one or the other, right? There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. If you're not in, in fact, look, look, look at verse 1. This gives us the context. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Well, how do you get in Christ Jesus? That's Ephesians chapter 1. Somebody preached the, 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 the gospel of your salvation to you, and you chose to believe it, and then you were baptized by the Spirit and put into the body. That's the only way in. All right? So this called is to people who have trusted in Jesus Christ, and if you have trusted in Jesus Christ, you're justified. And all you justified, but the Lord gave, provided a, he predestinated what's going to happen to you. He predetermined what is going to happen to you because you chose to ju- trust in his son. Does that make sense? Now, it sounds very philosophical and very nice to say uh, the, the Lord predetermined before the foundation of the world that I would be saved. Why me? Why you? What is so special about us that God predetermined that we would be saved? Did he just do a random lottery and said, I'll take them? The rest of you, sorry. You know, for my honor and glory, I made you so that you would be condemned to hell. (laughs) That makes no sense whatsoever. And then why would he have somebody go and preach the gospel to somebody that he predetermined would die and go to hell? That makes no sense. Here's, Here's Jesus. You could be saved. Well, sorry, I'm predetermined to go to hell. I can't be saved. It 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 it's, it is it is a ripoff of fatalism, and fatalists teach that everything in the world was predetermined by nature. So the Catholic Church stole that ideology and said everything in the world is predetermined by God, and so they it, it's just a ripoff of fatalism. And and instead of fatalism, they call it now. Calvinism. John Calvin broke away from the, the, the Catholic church. He was a Catholic priest and created his own Catholic church in Geneva, Switzerland. <laughs> and so his own doctrine, his, his name got attached to his doctrine, which is not his. He stole it from the Catholic church. But that's a, that, that's a future discussion that we'll have here um, later, not now. So the Lord isn't scrambling. He's not, what do I do with these people that have trusted in me? No, I, I have predetermined what I'm going to do with these, with these people, with their souls, where they're going to go, what's going to happen to them. And in fact, he was unbelievably generous. He could have just said, okay, you don't go to hell, you go to heaven. Great. Praise the Lord. I'm okay with that. But that's not what he did. You don't go to hell. You go to heaven. You get to be with me. You get to rule and reign with Christ. You get my inheritance. You get, you get innumerable blessings because you trusted in my son. Why? Because I love my son. And if you're washed in his blood, then, then I'm, I'm going to bless you. That, that, is, that, that is a far more just God and gracious God. It fits with who God is. A God who, pre, who predetermined that you're going to go to hell before you were born. That makes no sense whatsoever. That, that, that's, that's an unjust God. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Verses 12 through 29. Verse 12. Now this I say, that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, uh-oh, and I of Apollos, and I of Cephas, and I of Christ. I mean, why not? Paul, Apollos, Cephas, and Christ. I mean, they're all the same, right? <laughs> now, Paul's going to uh, rip that idea out of their minds, and he's going to rebuke them sharply for that. Verse 13. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were ye baptized in the name of Paul? <laughs> I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius. Now, if you were of the idea that baptism is required for salvation, you'd have a serious problem with that statement right there. How could the man sent to preach the gospel to all the world, or in your in your idea, baptize all the world, just say, I'm glad I didn't baptize none of you. What he just said is, According to their their religious philosophy is, I didn't I didn't save any of you. <laughs> if baptism is required for salvation, I didn't give it to any of you. But that's that's not that's not what it, that's not the case. That's not what he's saying. In fact, he takes it even further. Look at verse fifteen. Let issue say that I had baptized in mine own name, and I baptized also the household of Stephanus. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other. For Christ sent me not. To baptize. Well, that's a problem. If baptism saves, why did Christ send him not to baptize? What did he send him to do? But to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that were predetermined to be saved before the foundation of the world. To save them that believe. All right, so someone comes and preaches the gospel. Now you're left with a choice. What are you going to do? Verse 22. For the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom but we preach Christ crucified under the Jews a stumbling block and under the Greeks foolishness but under them which are called both Jews and Greeks Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God because the foolishness of God the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men for you see your calling brethren now what's he been talking about preaching The gospel, right? How did men come to be in Christ based on what he's saying here? Preaching the gospel, right? So then he he flips the script, verse 26, For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and and base things of the world, and things which are despised, hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Just keep reading verse 30 and 31. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, of whom God has made unto us wisdom, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. So the, 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 the entire discussion here is, I don't know why you're divided amongst men, because Christ is the one that died for you. And I don't know why you're arguing over baptism. I wasn't sent there to baptize you. I was sent there to preach the gospel. Well, what is that gospel? How that Christ died for your sins. Christ, the power of God. Well, Romans 1.16 says the gospel is the power of God. Well, what's the gospel about? Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, was buried, and rose again the third day. Now, all of that he builds up to, and then he says, now, based on that, you see your calling. It's through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's how you're called. If you respond to that calling, I can call you all day long. If you don't respond to it, guess what's not going to (laughs) happen? You're not going to follow me. You respond to the calling, and now you follow Jesus Christ, and and that's the direction God would have our lives to go. That's what he wants us to do. That's who we are. And this calling is is directly related to the gospel. We'll see it again. Uh, Look at Galatians 1. Galatians 1, verses 6 through 9 Verse six, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ. Now, what's what's his contention? That they are removed from the one that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. All right, now, so then, if that's the case, how were they called into the grace of Jesus Christ? Through the gospel, the gospel that Paul preached. And now he's saying, somebody brought a different gospel to you, and man, you jumped ship. You took off. Where'd you go? What happened? And so he's going to rebuke them for that. Uh, Verse 5, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of of Christ. I know another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let them be accursed. Now, this is the amazing thing here. Here's what cults always do. When the devil uses them to try and mislead people and steer them away from the truth, they always tell on themselves in subtle ways, sometimes not so subtle. So if you look at the front cover of the Book of Mormon, you know what it says? Another Testament of Jesus Christ. What Paul just said, if somebody calls you to another gospel about Jesus Christ... Don't be a fool and be removed. Don't go. In fact, if he said, if, if, if I show up preaching a different gospel, if an angel shows up preaching a different gospel, that man is accursed. You don't want to follow someone who's accursed. And so the apostle here is saying, if somebody comes, shows up trying to, trying to sway you into another gospel, <laughs> don't go. I marvel that you could be so soon removed. To another gospel. Look at chapter 5. See it again. Again, it's 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 all directly related to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's how you're called. Galatians 5, verses 13 through 15. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So here's another calling. You've been called unto liberty. Now, liberty, mean, liberty in Christ means you've been given the freedom to learn to live the Christian life. You've been given the freedom to stumble around, make some mistakes, but continually moving in the direction of being like Christ, right? It doesn't mean you have the liberty to live like a devil in Christ Jesus. That makes no sense. And and so what people when people hear liberty, they say, oh, that means I can do whatever I want. You do whatever you want. Nobody is making you do the things that you do on a daily basis. You choose to do what you do on a daily basis, right? All right, so... You can throw that out the window. The question always is, what do you want to do? Do you want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus? Or do you want to live like a devil and claim to belong to Jesus Christ? All right, one is right, one is wrong. But you have the liberty to do whichever one you want. Right, you, you just want to exercise that liberty unto godliness. Look at Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4 verses 1 through 3. I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called with all lowliness and meekness with long suffering forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling. So, so, and then it continues that, that the entire point of this calling is for you to walk worthy and it's to produce unity. So if if you claim to have some sort of calling on your life and it creates division, well then there's a problem because the end result of this calling, based on Ephesians four, is going to be a sense of unity amongst the brethren. And so when you when you claim to be called and it creates division in the church, there's a serious problem. You're 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 off track. But again, that that calling is only applicable to l- look at. Um, um, look at verse five, chapter 5, verse 1. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath, hath loved us. So the idea is that this is directed to Christians. It's directed to people who are saved. And the only way to be saved is, is to answer the, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, 2 Thessalonians 2. Just a couple more stops and then we will be done. 2 Thessalonians 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 13 through 14. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Now, again, people like to take this out of context. They say, see, we were chosen from the beginning. That's not, that's not what it said. If you, if you read it again, brethren beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Those qualifiers are important. You can't leave those out. right. So how does a person become sanctified in Christ Jesus? Through salvation. How is a person saved? Belief in the truth, belief in the gospel of your salvation, belief in Christ. Verse 14, whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or or our epistle. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation. How's that for being consoled? Everlasting consolation. That's a blessing. And good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good work. That calling, that calling, it's important. It's through the gospel. That's the doorway into all this. And if you step into the doorway, you get the abundance of blessings. If you don't, it's not because you were not called, it's because you rejected the calling. And and so you you, you will end up, suffering, the consequences. 1 Peter 5, last stop. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 6 through 11, verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion. Walk... Uh, walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accom- are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, <laughs> Amen, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. All that all that is part of the package. Verse 11, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, I, you know, I don't know how we get these ideas. I, I certainly, when I first got saved, I've told you before, I was, I was like, all my problems are over. <laughs> I belong to God. Then I read in the Bible, the Lord said to Christians, you're going to suffer a while, but then I'm going to bless you after that. I have called you to eternal glory. I have given you an everlasting consolation so that while you suffer, you don't just have something to look forward to, like, well, you know, like some chocolate or something. You have an everlasting consolation. You, you have a form of consolement that is eternal. Other people don't have it. Imagine going through this life and its difficulties. And again, you're an American. You have a great life. You have an easy life, a wonderful life compared to the rest of the world. Imagine growing up in the depths of poverty in Africa and then dying and going to hell. It's, that's, what, that's what the majority of the world is going to do. They're going to go through this life and its difficulties in, in some of the worst countries to exist in and then they're going to die and go to hell. That's the majority. All right, now, for us, even for those in the depths of that same poverty all around the world, they have Jesus Christ to look forward to. They have eternity to look forward to. They have all those blessings we talked about. They're going to rule and reign with Christ. They have an inheritance in Christ. All these great things that God has given because they trusted in Jesus Christ, they answered the call. And because they answered that calling... They're going to receive the blessing, so no matter how difficult this life gets, they have an everlasting consolation in Christ Jesus, and they're bound for glory, which is a tremendous, tremendous blessing. So when life gets hard, remember that. You have an everlasting consolation. You have answered this calling. God is going to bless you. God is willing to help you. God will get you through it, though he's not going to take it away he's going to teach you how to how to bear through these things and not only so but we glory through tribulation also knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience hope and hope experience and all those wonderful things that can only come by going through the troubles of this life with God not without him that's a massive difference you want to go through these things with the lord trying to approach these things alone it's it's a It's a futile battle. You don't want to do that. It's futile. Depend on the Lord. Run to the Lord. You are the called of Jesus Christ. Think about that for a while. You are the called. (laughs) If you've trusted in the Lord, you answered his calling. You have been given the blessings that come with it.